just to finish out some of the uh, third foundation, some of the, the uh, discourse, some of the language in it. We didn't really go into some of the parts that were asked to be mindful of. And so I'd just like to touch base on that so you get a sense of what they are, see if you have any questions about them. And so it begins with knowing a mind with anger, without anger, with lust, without lust, mind that is deluded, without delusion. Then it goes into um, some other descriptors, and these tend to be ones that it takes some meditative familiarity to know when these particular aspects of mind are present. So there's the description, they know a contracted mind to be contracted. And let me go through all of them. A contracted mind to be contracted, a distracted mind to be distracted. They know a great mind to be great, a narrow mind to be narrow, a surpassable mind to be surpassable, an unsurpassable mind to be unsurpassable. They know a concentrated mind, an unconcentrated mind. They know a liberated mind and an unliberated mind. Uh, Knowing these come about through meditative development and there are times that your heart and mind will go through different phases. And you might get these in ordinary life, um, but they, um, they do tend to be what comes about through a little bit more meditative training. So you would know uh, what a distracted mind is. You can know that right off the bat pretty quick. And then to know a contracted mind, um, sometimes when um, my mind is feeling incredibly dense, the working part of it feels like it's happening in a very small internal space. And my ability to be aware that there are even other people in the room is pretty diminished. Um, so the whole frame of my mentality and my emotional life is not very expansive into the room, but it's, it's very contracted, it's very reduced. Um, there's another English translation, instead of contracted, it's shrunken, to know the shrunken heart, the contracted heart. I was practicing a lot of loving-kindness practice. My teacher, Michelle McDonald, said, um, you can't only open the heart. The heart will open, but then it also needs to rest at times, and then it will open again. So you can watch it open and watch it get small again, and not to be judgmental about the times when the heart and the mind need rest and um, become a little smaller, then they'll open again. And I had more patience. Um, I could let that process be natural. So then it doesn't even have to be negative. It's negative, it feels stuck in that mode. But if it opens and then closes again and opens, that might actually be the functioning of a heart, of a heart and mind space. To know a great mind, um, there are times where this, again, the spatial quality or the, uh, the size of what can be held in one's heart and one's mind feels elevated. So sometimes in the Brahma Viharas, um, as we're developing, you might actually open your attention so wide that you're beginning to f- possibly feel into the entire room or beyond the room to f- 
feel all the life forms around us at Spirit Rock. And it's more than a, than a concept. There actually does feel like there's a larger spatial quality of opening the, one's attention further and further. And then in, in deep absorptions, um, there can even be like a, 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 a very oddly strange sense that the mental space that's happening is, is um, gone from tea mug to bathtub, to bathtub to swimming pool, swimming pool to like, wow, I don't even know if I can find an edge to the size of this heart and this mind. It feels very boundless. So you would come to know that. If it's so infrequent, then there's not a chance to really know it. <laughs> I mean, to really get familiar with it. But sometimes that happens. Yeah, and so chitta um, is um, considered when when people talk about chitta in Burma, they actually point to their chest, and there is a, a philosophical understanding that actually the the more important cognition happens around your heart, and the brain is more like a radio, pick receiving the signal and processing the information, but the real knowing is much more down in the heart area. And then some meditators, um, as they begin to explore this um, with a very strong power of mind, they actually do feel like the knowing is so much more embodied that, it does, that what happens here is more like the math and the crunching cognition, but there's a whole knowing that feels much more embodied, and so it feels more like the experiential knowing is down here. What chitta is in the equation um, is that, so for your eye, your eye is receiving color. And so if we were to look at the, the beigeness of the paint, that's a color. So that's the object of the eye. But all the receiving and processing and the knowing and the emotional relationship, that's all in the realm of mind, so it's a very large category. And it includes both the mental activity of focusing, not being able to focus, of being distracted. Those are more qualities of attention. But it also includes whether there are uh, emotions present or whether the emotions are fairly calm. And so that whole realm they put in the category of chitta. And as, um, as my those used to be, feel like um, two different things to me, the knowing and the emotional quality of it. As I've woken up some, they're less compartmentalized. And so the, the knowing that happens, that's more of my, what I would call my cognitive mind, how it knows something, is also so immersed with my emotional world. And I'm living not so up here, but more embodied and so sometimes the knowing, it just it doesn't feel like it's a, a crunching of the mind up here. It feels like it's a more total knowing. So then chitta is not even heart and mind, and then body is some different beast altogether. Sometimes the, the, the sense of awareness actually pervades the body. 
and the knowing and the emotional impact ripples through the body, and so it'd be hard to even differentiate what are some of the body sensations from the knowing activity, from the emotional activity, from the cognitive processing? Um, for me, and this is over many years, those have become more unified. And so the, the field of citta um, used to be compressed. And I felt like I was compressed right behind my eyes. That's where I exist, existed. My felt sense of me was very tightly back there. And my body, actually, I was used to it, but it was a very distant experience that the being behind my eyes knew it had a hand, it could feel things, but what it was concerned about was very cerebral. And over time, that's become a much, it's dropped down and it's opened up. So the field of citta, um, for me, has gotten clearer and opener and more... um, less, com- less compact, um, compacted. I think that happens with practice over time also, is that there's an opening of the body field, or an opening of the heart field, an opening of the mind field. As they open, they tend to um, work well together. And then the, the, you can tell the different qualities, but they don't feel divorced. They feel like they're part of the same activity. And it's over time, a unification. So unified field is chitta. So chitta can be contracted, distracted. It can be great. <clears throat> it can be narrow. And narrow versus contracted, I'm not sure. I'd have to go back to Analayo and really see why those two words are so needed. I think contracted feels like um, sleepy, burdened, weighted down, small. And narrow is just if it feels like the, um, the realm of the mind is very focused, versus expanded, large. And then these words are just placeholders to start the investigation of heart and mind. And then once you actually get into it, you get into the color wheel effect where there are so many nuances of the heart and mind, but these are just primers of where to start. The idea of a surpassable and unsurpassable mind um, is to know that the mind I have now is good, but I've known better. So one way of saying, yeah, I'm happy, I'm content, but the happy and contentedness has a seem to have like a limit in this particular moment because I know, of, I know of a mind that would surpass this one in terms of its calm, its well-being, its uh, agility. So it's good, it's not hindered, but it definitely could be surpassed. And unsurpassable mind is when you start feeling these boundless qualities of heart and mind especially in uh, concentrated states. Is that a yearning or a dissatisfaction, or does it depend on your attitude? It depends on attitude. It might not, just because it's surpassable doesn't mean that you're having a suffering or a judgment. It's like, yeah, this is a good mind. I've seen better, but it's more like a sense of like, yeah, there's a certain amount of joy here, and I wouldn't say it's out of 10, but... There's been more joy. It's just, and again, kind of getting into um, the nuances of the mind. That's not just rage, no rage. Joy, no joy. It's joy, and then, oh my God, there's more joy. I've surpassed the joy I've known before. Mm-hmm. So this is, that joy level is surpassable. It also might be where 
you're humming along good enough and you recognize, no, I think actually if I dropped in a little more, I could surpass this mind state. I think actually a little more care, a little more invitation, a little more warmth of loving kindness, and suddenly the mind stream you're having feels like it has stronger qualities than the previous one. So that might be the language of surpassable. But if you had the taste of dissatisfaction, like, I want to surpass this mind, it's bum me out. <laughs> that might be the judgment. To know a concentrated mind, a mind with samadhi, and we haven't talked too much about samadhi, but I prefer the, the Pali samadhi to the English concentrated. Samadhi, one of the hallmarks of samadhi is a sense of unity, also has an incredible sense of stability, also has a sense of, um, of well-being in it. And the word concentration doesn't have all these qualities that usually comes when the mind has samadhi. Just being able to concentrate is one type of, one characteristic of samadhi. You can actually aim your mind and it stays put. But as samadhi develops, there usually is um, an incredible sense of well-being that comes with it. So the English word concentration doesn't even begin to have some of the beautiful qualities of the actual word samadhi. So knowing when there is samadhi in the heart and the mind. And then knowing your mind is liberated and unliberated. It's another sense of um, there are four noble truths. And the third noble truth is about you can come out of uh, the suffering states. You might still feel pain, but you don't suffer over the pain. And there's no craving, there's no dissatisfaction. So you can say, ah, this mind stream is liberated of these, um, these condemning forces or these imprisoning forces. This mind stream is liberated of fear. This mind stream is liberated of um, jealousy or envy. This mind stream is feeling generous. Part of that generosity is a sense of freedom from my own worries about my needs. I actually feel abundant right now. And so one of the tastes of that could be the generosity. And you'd be noticing generosity, but you could also say, and notice the freedom that you feel around the generosity. Notice the freedom you feel from the fear. Then you mean to heighten your sense of this third noble truth as a direct experience. That's not somewhere down the road when you become an arhant or fully enlightened being many lives from now. You're actually probably feeling it many times of the day when the cravings and dissatisfactions are momentarily uh, at peace. And you could take note of when your heart and your mind are in their liberated form versus their um, dependent or um, bound up in circumstances mode. These are other ways of looking at the meditative process deepening the meditative process, other questions you can ask about your mind stream to kind of further um, get to know it, get to know what's developing, and especially if you're on, if you're doing a meditative process or those graceful moments in daily life where you feel sudden sense of expansion and you don't quite know why, but um, you're walking along and you suddenly see a beautiful view and you stop and you're so moved by what you see and the heart and the mind suddenly get quite large in what they're taking in versus not being able to take it in because your mind's distracted or 
contracted. So the, the rest of the list was more um, nuances often of a meditative development and how you track that and take note of meditative qualities. Any questions about that or other things in the day? What qualities of heart and mind are present for you now? What are you noticing? Anybody? Your heart feels contracted. Hmm. Other folks? Um, it feels a little numb, and my response to that Vedna is very pleasant because it's like an acceptance and an investigation into the numbness rather than contracting around me. Hmm, beautiful. Uh, neutrality and a pleasant mind space and contact with the neutrality of the numbness. Mm. Other folks, what qualities of heart and mind? Um, confusion. Confusion. It's, um, so as you're talking about Kita, uh, um, I wrote the dissertation on the semantics of knowledge. And so I'm struggling with so my understanding of knowledge is the cultivate, cultivating intimacy. And when you talk about um, heart and mind being one, um, there, in a visceral sense, I, I, I feel that. Like I feel you when you say that. Um, but I'm really kind of confused about the relationship between um, feelings and um, how you're describing mind. Hmm. I'll come back to that. If there's a way you, you can steer me into what the confusion is, then um, I'd be happy to take a pass through that. What other qualities of heart and mind are you noticing? Anybody in a sleepy post-meal state? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm projecting it out into the room, but I feel a little of that blood around the stomach, less oxygen for the brain, um, and then the heat also. Anxiety. What do you feel? Anxiety. Mm. Restless. Oh, oh, here. Restless. restless. Yeah. Mm. The restless mind. <laughs> okay. Cherry on top. Mm. <laughs> uh, heart's kind of bubbly. Mm. Like something's going on. It feels neutral because I don't, there's no, you know, sometimes it's, something's happening in the heart and it feels like, oh no, 
Activity not yet decided if it's preferable or wanted, or <laughs> no valence yet on it, just activity. Not sure if it'd be helpful to come back to your question or not. Um, there's a talking about it and the, the theory of it. What is the mind? Um, especially in our tradition, what is this mind? <clears throat> and it might depend some on what is the dominant part of the mind that's active. And so when I'm, I notice that when I'm in more of a cognitive processing mode, I feel like that's happening right behind my eyes. So that feels more like head activity. And then someone, something takes my breath away and I get a stronger emotional quality. It feels like it's not behind my eyes. It feels more uh, chest, more body oriented. Um, so experientially that there can be like a predominance that's more body emotional. Sometimes I get joy and the joy takes me up and I have ideas that feel like they're around here. My ideas don't percolate down there. They tend to kind of go up. So there might be spatial qualities that have us feel more like the, the head and the heart are not the part of the same field of activity. But I'm not sure if that's where your question is about the language and Yeah. Okay. So I'd like just to guide us a little further into inquiry, into getting familiar with different mental, emotional states. Um, if you have the courage and the patience to feel into blocked parts of the heart or the mind, how that relates to maybe a body resonance with that feeling of blockedness. So you might feel like the emotions are very they have a limit. And if you feel into the chest, you might feel like the body itself has a contraction and maybe those two things are related. You might feel irritation and then feel in the body a certain heat. You might feel restlessness and then find that the body is fidgeting. Um, So being patient while you're being intimate with difficult experiences Um, can be helpful, and then also knowing to pace yourself and not only know difficult experiences, but there might be other parts of um, the heart and the mind that are present, and there might be interventions you can make that might brighten the mind if it's dull, that might cool the mind if it's uh, hot with irritation, that might warm the mind if it's feeling cut off. So um, knowing things directly and then also playing with interventions if they feel skillful. 
So let's do a period of practice together. Um, this part will be oh, about 20 minutes. A 20 minutes at this, so you can pace yourself. Finding a body posture that supports the body being at ease. That's sitting, standing, or lying down. Taking a few deep breaths, allowing your body to come into rest and ease. The mind also can come into rest and ease, can let go of any activity. You can invite your heart and your mind to be more relaxed. And then within that field of relaxation, you might invite yourself ever so slightly to sit up a little straighter, not to create tension, but to encourage some wakefulness in the field of relaxation so that you are able to uh, be mindful of experiences, be intimate with experiences from a place of ease and patience but still somewhat engaged, somewhat curious, somewhat aware of what's happening moment by moment. See if you can find that balance between the ease and relaxation and also the intimacy, the knowing, the awareness of what's happening moment by moment. And you can already ask the question, what qualities of heart and mind are now present? Is there any language that's in the ballpark of what I'm experiencing, of this field of heart and mind?
And then what's it like to be intimate with these aspects of heart and mind? See if you can at first meet them before changing them. What's it like to be intimate with this part, with this expression, with these qualities that are active right now in your heart, in your mind? We often have preferences which lead to struggle. And so the courage of the third foundation of mindfulness is to suspend the preferences so we can be intimate with the mind just as it is. The only thing we're welcoming is more intimacy, not with a different experience. So can you be intimate with sleepiness or restlessness? Can you be intimate within the experience of confusion? Can you be intimate with the experience of joy and then watch joy fade into something else? Can you just be in the boat and be awake for the ride. With less of these forces of choosing, preferencing, struggling, judging. It's just in this moment, the heart and the mind are like this.
my heart and my mind are like this. One interesting experiment is to relax in the middle of all the sounds and the silence you can hear. And see if you can affect the spatial quality, the spatial experience of your knowing mind, relaxed and open, I hear birds far away, relaxed and open, I hear the door below opening and closing. Being mindful if there's a spatial quality, a clear spatial limit to the realm we're calling the heart and the mind. Does it actually have a limit in time or space? Does it have a wall you could knock on? As you sit in the middle of all this space and all this sound, Let the heart and the mind become simple. Invite them to be relaxed. Then listen to all the sounds that are arising. Is there a firm limit around your knowing Does it feel small or large? Or does it feel so large it loses a sense of space? It just feels expansive.
For some of you, the timing may be right to ask a question of your experience. What is this knowing? What is this awareness as an experience? In this realm of heart and mind, I'm not asleep. I'm knowing, I'm aware. This is another activity of mind, another quality of mind. Something you can know in the present moment is the activity of knowing itself. When the mind is not too hindered, sometimes the timing is right to take interest in the stream of knowing itself. What is this experience of awareness? In the realm of the heart and the mind, 
when the hindrances are not too strong. You can take interest in the stream of knowing itself. And you can also ask from the experiential realm, what is knowing? What am I taking for me, the knower? What's the experience of the me that's knowing? Is that the actual source of the stream of knowing? Or is it just part of the stream, the felt sense of a knower along with the knowing? Sometimes this is available for an investigation. The felt sense of knowing, the felt sense of knower, exploring this aspect of an active, awake heart and mind. in this stream of awareness, what qualities of heart and mind 
are part of the stream of awareness, patience, restlessness, judgment, love, vision, doubt. On a boat, streaming through time, aware of what's happening, aware of the realm of mind and heart as current qualities of the stream we're in. <clears throat> 